These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle. And I am here today with my colleague, Rebecca Schutz. Hi. Hi, Rebecca. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. So before we get started on today's topic, which is serious and important, can we talk about stairs for a minute? Tell me about stairs. Okay, so this morning I was working on the short story about a downtown office building that's being renovated, and I was looking through the architect's renderings they send, and sure enough, there it was in a picture showing what the lobby was going to look like. An enormous staircase appeared. It's a staircase that's just kind of there for people to hang out on, and the developer calls it a social stair. An indoor stoop. Yeah, an yeah. indoor stoop. An, an office stoop. With multi-levels. Yeah. Okay, so... It has to be indoors because it's Houston. Of course. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just think there's a bigger story here because I've been seeing lots of stair designs lately, and it seems to be sweeping the the nation. Have you seen stairs? Yeah. Such? I feel like it's like a centerpiece, which is interesting because people don't like to work out. Yeah, I yeah. guess. You know, we have a... We have a stare here at the Chronicle. Yeah. Paul Takahashi takes it. Does he? Yeah. Do you think it adds he takes, a lot? He takes the elevator to the third floor, so he can take those stairs from the third floor to the fourth floor. But it's, I mean, but as a design feature, mm. do you think it adds? I don't hang out on it. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's <laughs> not, it's not really big enough to hang out on. Yeah. Even though our space was designed not too long ago... Maybe they just didn't know about the importance of having a social stair. Yeah, we could all be reporting on the stairs. Yeah. Having meetings. Meeting sources on the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, anyway, I, uh, Rebecca, I don't know if you know this, but at the end of the year or at the beginning of the year, one or the other, we have a special the Loopies. In show. Yes, yes. I'm a fan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, so... The Loopies are real estate awards, and we get the audience to vote. And one of the categories is trendiest design trend. And I just may have to declare that the winner this year without any voting. Oh. Stairs. Loopton has turned dictatorial. <laughs> I feel strongly about it. Okay. Yeah. We can still let people vote, but there'll only be one option. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So listeners... If you have any ideas for categories or even for... Um, or if you have favorite stairs. If you have favorite... Oh, yes. We could do the best stair. Yeah. Okay. Like the stairs where people actually hang out. Right. You know, there's one I saw that's actually in existence. You can experience it in real life mm -hmm. downtown at the Capitol Tower. Have you ever been there? No. There's a food court down there called Understory. Oh, that's a cute name. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a big social stair. Okay. Yeah. It's got chairs. 
Okay, we're going to nominate that Gables. as one of the good stairs. But you guys tell us about the other yeah. great stairs around the city. So should we get to our guest? We should. She's sitting right here. Okay. She's listened to us rant or uh-huh. listened to me rant for, for a bit. Today, we are joined by Sarah Smith. Sarah covers housing and nonprofits for the Houston Chronicle's Metro Desk. She just finished a big story about Independence Heights, a close-in neighborhood just north of the Heights that we've talked about on Looped In before, kind of about its path toward gentrification and how it's being stripped of its history, which is a common refrain in Houston's urban neighborhoods. Sarah, welcome to Looped In. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed the ranting. Thank you. How do you feel about stairs? I've never thought of them in this way before, maybe because I'm the person who always trips up or down them. (laughs) This might not be such a good trend for me to participate in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get to our topic here. So, Sarah, you spent a bunch of time in Independence Heights. Can you just tell us a little bit about the neighborhood, what it's what it's like, and kind of the, a little bit about the history? Yeah, it's um, a super interesting neighborhood. It's just outside the loop. Um, parts of it still have this very small town feel where people definitely know each other, know each other's whole story. Um, the old houses are these like one-story shotguns, low-slung bungalows, um, with parts like windows maybe dating back from the older parts of the uh, like the early parts of the 1900s, and then you have the new development that's coming in. So right next to these old shotguns, you'll have a townhouse that looks like it was picked up from the heights and plopped right down next to it. Mm-hmm. And like the history of the town itself, or I guess what used to be a town, is fascinating. It was the first black incorporated city in Texas. Um, they incorporated themselves in 1915, stayed on their own for 14 years, and then voted to dissolve so they could be annexed into Houston. Okay. One of the things that you point out in your story is that lots of, of the existing residents are starting to get letters, or they've probably been getting letters for a long time from people that want to buy their homes. Yeah. I mean, there's you go through the neighborhood and you can see all these signs like, I will buy your house for cash. Mm-hmm. People get letters. People get text messages even asking if they're willing to sell. Wow. Um, it's this really hot neighborhood right now for development, um, house flipping, because the Heights is pretty much full. It's so expensive to build, buy, mm-hmm. sell there. And Garden Oaks also is pretty full up. Um, it's this really perfect spot for development right now because it's just outside the loop with a straight shot to downtown. Um, The Heights is so expensive and people are saying it's pretty much full. Like You can no Mm -hmm. longer build, develop there and expect to turn much of a profit. So you turn to the next closest place, which right now is Independence Heights. Yeah. Joy Sewing, she is a reporter here at the Chronicle, and she lives in Third Ward, and she's very active there. But she's been on this podcast before talking about her neighborhood and about how she's gotten these letters and these text messages for years. And she really is quite troubled by it, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's just a lot going on in her neighborhood. There's a, a strong... There's a, a a strong you know community presence of people that have have been there a long time, and there's just a lot of tension. What's the dynamic in Independence Heights? Depends on who you ask, as I'm sure with everywhere. Like some of the new people move into 
houses that are newer houses that are in keeping with the design of the neighborhood. So maybe a newer shotgun Mm -hmm. um, or a restored older house. And they want to be part of the fabric of the community and they want to keep the history of the community and they don't want to gentrify or flip it more than it already is. Then there are the people that move in in the townhomes with the six foot high fences. And there's a lot of tension there because that's the old residents think that's really antithetical to the fabric of the community where people used to go in and out of each other's house and everyone knows everyone and looks out for everyone. And those houses themselves are just not in keeping with the old character of the neighborhood. And to many of the old neighbors, it's just an eyesore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what we're seeing everywhere is just this tension, right? Like um, between preservation and greater density. Mm -hmm. And it seems like in neighborhoods with a lot of historical restrictions, home values are growing up, you know? In neighborhoods where all these townhouses are going in, values are going up. And for me, it's really interesting coming in and doing this because I grew up in a um, tiny town in eastern Massachusetts. And in the old town part, um, you really can't sneeze without the historical society saying, like, it's okay to sneeze here. <laughs> um, like, all the old houses were built in the... 1600s to 1700s and have these plaques on them with this fisherman lived here this person lived here and he served in the continental army so we're very proud of that up there Um, but then for me it's really jarring to come here and it's and see a very different mindset towards preservation like it's just something I didn't think about growing up that like oh of course we don't touch this because maybe George Washington once breathed here we don't know but we're not touching it Mm. So I'm I'm curious what the developers say that that are going into the neighborhood. What's their philosophy on this, other than the obvious? Yeah, it's the developers um, definitely. Their people had a range of opinions and philosophies on this. So there are some developers that are very careful to only build houses in the style of the neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. There are some that are very adamant on only building bungalows, shotguns, things that look like they do belong in the neighborhood. There are other developers that like they do acknowledge when I ask them, yes, this can force someone out of the neighborhood because maybe the person in the old shotgun house next to my development will no longer be able to afford their property taxes. But um, to quote one of them, like this is how progress works. And say that person who's in the old house and can't afford their property taxes anymore, well, they can sell it. And that's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, that really, that part of your story really struck me. There was a quote from a developer in your story that I wrote down. When their children inherit, they can sell for much more. They either pay more taxes or it's giving them a great investment opportunity to sell and invest somewhere else. It's a win-win for everyone, like you said. That makes me think, okay, well, Sure, they can sell and get some money, but where are they going to go? Where are they going to move? This is an issue that's happening in neighborhoods everywhere. I I mean, I understand that logic that the developers are using, but it's it's not that simple. So, And taxes. When they stay, they see higher tax bills every month. I was, I saw in your story, builders are building homes from two to four hundred thousand dollars, roughly. And a $400,000 house is around $10,000 a year in taxes. And that's a lot. So 
obviously people are facing a lot of pressures. What are some of the ways people are dealing with it that you've seen? So there's been work to get some historic preservation protection for parts of the neighborhood. Um, It's a national historic district, which doesn't really afford any actual physical protections. Mm -hmm. The only real protections come from a local historic designation. They have two blocks that are that have that protection. So those houses can't be torn down. There and then there's one house outside of those two blocks that's also protected. And there's so much development popping up that it's really going to be hard to make a contiguous um, district. So the next best option for the community is to make just to preserve the individual houses. So I know they're working on that. The other big thing that Nancy you just raised was property taxes. Um, so they're working on a bill that they've got some members of the Texas state legislature interested in that would provide a heritage tax exemption. So basically if the house has been in the family for, I think that what they want is 50 years and there's mm-hmm. a descendant of that family still living in it, you'd be exempt from property taxes. Mm-hmm. People need to think thoughtfully about how to let families stay. It's only become, going to become a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. It does remind me of the initiative in California to freeze property taxes. Right. And um, similar reasons were given that property taxes were raising too much, especially for people on fixed incomes. Why don't you freeze them? And, you know... California school systems have gone from being one of the best in the nation to I'm not sure where they rank now, but mm-hmm. not they're not as strong as they were. So you also talked to David Bush, who runs the the local preservation group, and I thought he brought up a good point. He said some of the biggest challenges facing people in these neighborhoods are the increasing land values. The preservation ordinance isn't going to address that, and that's. That's that's it. I mean, right there. Mm-hmm. There's no one-stop solution to it. And yeah. Whatever you do will have some consequence. And if you do nothing, that will obviously have a consequence too. So, and I think about like my historically preserved hometown too. And yeah. that's not affordable by any means. Right. Those two things are not one and the same. Mm-hmm. I think there's often a... I think people often uh, conflate the two, but my we have all the old homes, and it is a very out of reach place. Yeah, I mean they like Independence Heights voted to be annexed into the city of Houston because they wanted better municipal resources, and instead they didn't get any sewer improvements. The city didn't pave the streets, and the bus didn't wouldn't go into the black neighborhood. So they didn't right. get what they wanted. They didn't get the resources they needed because this is the Jim Crow era and there was structural racism. Right. Yeah, and I guess the last thing or one other thing I would yeah. just like to touch on would be the example of Freedman's Town. I mean, it's largely gone. Yeah, Freedman's Town is um, mostly just relics now. They have um, like the street layout is still there. The, they have these historic bricks that were preserved um, basically through residents getting really angry. And the bricks were laid by former slaves. And they have a park with the remnants of one of the old black churches there. But that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're disappearing. 
and yeah, there's not been a great model for how to how to solve this this issue. I think Third Ward is trying really hard to to make one, but it it doesn't seem like there's a any any good formula or mm-hmm. any good solution. And a lot of what the residents in Independence Heights are doing too is they're collecting their own stories. Um, there's people have old newspaper clippings dating back to 1915 when the town incorporated. They're recording stories, collecting artifacts, and like in lieu of preserving all the houses, they're preserving all the other parts of history that they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for covering Independence Heights like you did. Thank you for having me, and I will think. Uh, a lot about all the stairs I see now. <laughs> Never been so attuned to stairs in my whole life. <laughs> all right. Well, Becca, thank you too. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Always a mm-hmm. always a pleasure seeing you, even though I see you we every every other, day. <laughs> every day, all day. It is a pleasure. <laughs> okay. And listeners, thanks to you as well. And remember, please send any loopy suggestions for stairs or anything else our way. And if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, you can find us on any podcast app. So until next time, thanks for listening.